Storehouse Dallas. Good morning, everyone. If I talk at this level, can you all hear me at the back? Yeah? Not yet? Do you want to move closer? Because I'm not a shouter. So if you can't hear, you might want to move a little bit closer. Is that okay now? Okay. Appreciate that word. I always knew there was something fishy about me. Anybody like the Passion Translation? Isn't it great? I want to read you something from uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 6. It says this. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent his son in human form to identify with human weakness. Clothed with humanity, God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. And we are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mind of the flesh is set on death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit always finds life and peace. You know, it's not, um, it's not what God is talking you out of that's important. It's what he's talking you into. You have a life force in Christ in you. And God is talking to you to talk you into the way that he sees things, the way that he thinks about things, the way that he speaks to things. God's covenant with you does not depend on your behavior. It depends on his covenant with Jesus in you. God put Christ into you so he would always love you exactly the same way as he loves Jesus. And you know God, right? He's unchanging. That's one of the greatest things I love about him. That's the thing that makes me cry in worship is he's unchanging. He never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and he'll be the same forever. 
Everything God says about himself, he's, he's reminding us, don't forget, I'm unchanging here. And I'm unchanging in this. And I don't change in that. This is who I am. This is who I will always be. And I love that um, promise that God gave to Joshua in Joshua 1. You know, because Moses is dead. And Joshua's lived with Moses. He's served him. He's seen everything. And he, can see, he sees Moses' relationship with God. He sees what God has done through Moses. And now Moses is not there anymore. And he's number one guy. And he has to take this, what used to be a rabble of slaves that's recently started to train to be an army across the Jordan into a land where there are giants. And you can imagine him feeling nervous. You know, it's like, I'm not Moses. Yeah, so how can I do this? He's edgy, he's nervous, um, he's anxious probably. And the, God, and the Lord knows all of that. And one of the things he says to him is, just as I've been with Moses, so I will be with you. And you can imagine him going, okay. Well, the New Testament equivalent of that is the Lord saying to us, just as I was with Jesus, so I will be with you. That's why he put Christ into us. Christ is a guarantee. Excuse me. I was going to drink the mic and speak through the water. <clears throat> Anything's possible, right? <laughs> Christ in you is a guarantee. Christ in you is a guarantee that you can see things the way that God sees it. So we should be asking for that. Christ in you is a guarantee that you'll never be on your own. I mean, there's always four of you in there. Right? You're never on your own. I said to the Lord once, I'm not quite sure when you said you'd never leave me, I'm not quite sure if that was a promise or a threat. <laughs> Graham, I'll never leave you. I'll always be there. Every situation, count on me. I'm right there. I put Christ into you so that you'd always know who you are, where you are, and which end is up. So I came here to give you some keys. Just of, so that you could practice the law of the spirit of life of Christ in you. One of those keys is all of heaven is attracted to Jesus in you. What we are learning here is we are learning that we are in the world, but we are most certainly not of it. That means our mindset, our language, our thinking, our seeing is not does not, is not derived from the way that the world sees things. And that we know that the world is an inherently negative place. There's negativity everywhere. You can't go on the internet without, you know, 90-odd percent of it being negative, hateful, judgmental, and so on. How on earth they got the brass neck to call it social media when it's the most antisocial thing that's going on on our planet? What is that about? Seriously. 
trust me, one day you're going to get totally free from Facebook. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And you're going to get your life back. Because Facebook is a time suck. You know, I've seen people texting each other and they're sat in the same room. Social media stops us from being social. (laughs) That was funny. I thought that was funny. One of the number one things in the world that we need to steer clear of is negativity. Negativity is a cancer. It works exactly like cancer. It affects your brain, it affects your heart, it affects the way you move, it affects the way you see, it affects everything. Negativity is a cancer. I can remember the Lord saying to me uh, a number of years back, like really excited, Graham, I'm making war on all negativity. Whose side do you want to be on? And I'm going, uh, yours, I guess. Seriously, he's going to make war on all your negativity. Not in a bad way. He's probably just going to make fun of you. (laughs) Really, you're still thinking like that? How's that working out for you? (laughs) He's going to make war on all your negativity. If you're the kind of person that starts every question with a negative, aren't you worried that? Aren't you afraid that? Then you might want to reframe that question. Because that question can't take you anywhere good. Right? Because there's no fear in love, so no, I'm actually not worried. People say to me, well, you know, don't worry. I "I haven't worried for years. I've lost the ability to worry because peace is so much more powerful. Why would I be stupid enough to worry when I can be clever enough to be peaceful? (laughs) Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. It's like cheer up. I overcame all of that. So there's something in the world that doesn't belong to you, but there's an attitude that does. All of heaven is attracted to Jesus in you. That means, like, this is hunting season. All of heaven has got some blessing trained on you. So we need to think on earth as it is in heaven. So there's a sidestep here that if you're in this place and you're being negative and you know that's going to drag you down, right? You need to take a step to one side and step out of that because God is talking you into something else. And what God talks you into immediately sets you free from what you were talking yourself out of. Right? If you're in Christ, so are all your circumstances. Right? None of us are schizophrenics. We're not double-minded. Christ in you gives you a huge divine advantage. 
And it's time that we started to play that advantage, set it to work. If you're in Christ, so are all your circumstances. If you cannot be separated from the love of God, then your circumstances cannot be separated from the power of God. Or let's put it this way. You're in the kingdom. You belong to the kingdom. You're in the world, but you're not of it because you're of the kingdom. That means there is a way of thinking, seeing, and speaking set aside for you, and you need to learn that language. You know, I came to America. I had to learn to speak English all over again. (laughs) Y'all. That's about as far as I've got so far, which is not bad for like nearly 20 years. We're having to learn a language that is not earthbound, that doesn't keep you earthbound. We're learning the language of trust, the language of faith. We're learning the language of expectancy. We're learning the language that heaven uses all the time. Do you ever wonder what the first ever language on earth was? It definitely wasn't English. Sorry. I think the first language ever used in the Garden of Eden was probably tongues. It was a heavenly language. Maybe not until the Tower of Babel when suddenly all these other different languages came out and now there are loads of people who don't believe in tongues. You have your own language before God. You have a language that puts you in a place where you can hear things. One of the keys that is so important to the Lord that we all actually use all the time is that in the kingdom, no problem can ever come by itself. Every problem has a promise attached to it. Why? Because you're in the kingdom. In the world, a problem can visit you and make you feel like there's no solution. But thankfully, you're not of that world anymore. You're in the kingdom. You're a kingdom man. You're a kingdom woman. You're a kingdom person. And in the kingdom, this is one of the laws of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus. No problem can come into your life by itself. Every problem has a promise attached to it. And when you step out of the problem into the promise, the promise will always point to a provision. But you have to stand in the promise. If you're standing in the problem praying, the odds are you're going to pray the wrong thing. But when you know that you know that you know, this problem can't be here without a promise being attached Because a problem without a promise is illegal in the kingdom. It's illegal in the kingdom. Why? Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made a different ruling. In the world, problems come and you have to try and solve them. In the kingdom, you don't have to solve the problem. You have to find a promise that's attached to it. And when God gives you a promise, he gives you the certainty of provision. Because promises are the currency of heaven. 
Every time God makes a promise, a door opens somewhere that you need to go through. So no problem can come by itself. It has to have a promise attached to it. And when you stand in that promise and look towards the Lord, you, can, you will get a revelation about the kind of provision that God is opening up. You'll have faith to move into something. So when you know that a problem has to come with a promise attached, at least you have the grace to get excited. Oh my God, this is cute. I love this. So you get excited. In fact, the other side of that is when you haven't got a problem, you're a little bit nervous. Hey, come on. Why? Because a problem is the best way of getting a promise. That's the law of the spirit of life. Why does God give you problems? Because he wants you to give you the promise. And he wants to keep teaching you, this is how life works. This is how the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, this is how it works. And this is a key. This is one of the keys of the kingdom. So when you get a problem, you should be excited. And when you're excited, you probably call your best friend. Hey, John. How's it going? You see the game last night? Oh my gosh. Those guys, eh? they always leave it to the last minute. I swear, when Jesus comes back, you know, they'll still be putting their shorts on. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. No. Hey, listen, the reason I'm calling you is um, I got a problem today. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah. <laughs> I knew something was up because the Holy Spirit came around early. And you know what he's like? He's always like jumping around. He's like so joyful. He just likes everything. Yeah. So, no, I haven't opened it yet. I've been too busy manifesting. Right. Because, you know, I'm thinking, if the problem is this big, how much bigger is the promise and the provision going to be? I know. I know. I'm so excited. It's like I'm beside myself with excitement. Yeah, it's like here I am and there I am right next to me and we're both excited. Yeah. So anyway, how, how are you doing? Oh, you haven't got a problem. Well, cheer up, man. One's bound to come along. Hey, you know God, he's faithful. He's faithful. He'll, he'll bring one along and it'll be, it'll be exactly the kind of problem you need to go to the next level. That's how it works, right? That's, we know how it works like that, right? Hey, so listen. Um, hey, do you want to work on this one with me? No, that'd be great. Hey, but listen, when you get a problem, I'll be expecting a phone call, right? Just saying. Okay, cool. So, uh, when can you get here? 45 minutes. Brilliant. Hey, are you passing St. Arbucks? Can you get me a coffee? Brilliant. Okay. See you in a few. That's what we do, right? Because we're believers, and funnily enough, believers believe something. 
right? So I guess the issue right now is what exactly is it that you're believing right now? Anyone's feeling down? What are you believing? Anyone slightly depressed? What are you believing? Anyone worried or fearful? What the heaven are you believing? Yeah? Every problem comes complete with its own provision. So here's the picture that God gave me of that. Saw a problem, and then right next to it was a signpost. And a signpost was point on the on the signpost was the word promise, and it was pointing in another direction. Right? So what did I learn from that? Every problem is a signpost to something that God wants to do. Right? What a signpost says, you shouldn't be here, you need to go there. Right? So you know what the problem's like. You can just write it down, this is my problem. And then you can go somewhere and say, Lord, so what is my promise? And when the promise comes, you need to write that down. could be a verse that opens you up to something. It could be, could be a vision. could be a dream. could be a prophecy. How many people here have got prophecies in their life that haven't come to pass yet? Oh, my God, you guys are so screwed. I'm telling you, that prophecy is there to make sure you're never going to be negative. So if you are being negative, I'm not saying you're going to get spanked, but you might want to change your thinking pretty quick. Some of us, you know, when we get a prophetic word and you don't understand it, it's probably because it's a new thing. You're, you want a now word for my circumstances, and you get a new word, and you think, what the heck is that? Who's had that experience apart from me? Yeah, so that word is not for now. It's for later. Well, it's later. <laughs> right? So I'm just challenging some people here. This is your moment to bring your prophecy from the background into the foreground. Because you didn't understand it back there, but now you're here, and now that word is probably for right here. So how about getting it out and looking at it and asking the Lord questions? Or you have a whole book full of promises called the Bible. Why don't you just ask the Lord, so... uh, Give me a promise. And maybe it's something that you've been learning for a while, but not really broken through on. You know what Christians are like, hey? We all want to know, but a lot of us don't want to learn. Sorry about that. (laughs) Some of you have already got promises inside you. And you know that God doesn't speak to you, right? He speaks in you. Because that's where he's living. Anyway, he wouldn't speak to your head. Why would he speak to the hardest part of you? Right? Evangelicals, you know, we're such a strange bunch. You know, we say, well, you know, God's speaking to me. I'm waiting for that to 
make the 18-inch drop into my heart. There is no flipping 18-inch drop. Because God doesn't speak to your head. He speaks to your heart. And that what's in your heart rises up into your conscious mind. God isn't going to trust your head. It's been in the world too long. Right? But he'll trust your heart that he lives in. That center of you, in your spirit. So he'll speak in your spirit. He'll speak in you. And that word will rise up into your conscious mind. And you'll go, aha. Just saying. So that promise may even be inside you right now. All promises are a form of currency in the kingdom. That means you have to spend it. You know, God isn't interested in you having a collection of promises. Like you have a whole wall in your house somewhere. These are all my promises. Have you ever used any of these? No, but I like looking at them. Like a trophy room full of promises that you've never used. Don't be that person. <laughs> a promise is meant to be spent. And some promises can be spent over and over and over and over again. You don't have to get a new promise every single time. Unless God's in that mood. <laughs> right? Every problem comes with a promise and a provision attached. A problem is designed to show you what God wants to give you. To show you where God wants to take you. A promise is a signpost. It's like the Lord saying, I have just found this amazing problem. I'm so excited because I'm going to use this to do this, this, and this. Big promises usually have three levels of encounter or experience. Why? Because you know what, guys? Hand on our heart. Most of us know that we are behind the time of our own development. No shame, no blame. God doesn't do that. He's not an evangelical. He's not a charismatic either. And God is definitely not supernatural. He's never been supernatural. Wish we'd drop that word from our language. It's perfectly normal for God to raise the dead, heal the sick, and talk to people about their future. Not being supernatural is just being himself. He doesn't shout. He doesn't make waves. He just says it. He's just sometimes God shows up and he's so ordinary, you could miss him. It's just being normal. It, it would be really great if we copied that. Just be normal. You don't have to shout. You don't have to scream. Unless he's doing it. Let's just be ourselves, eh? In Christ. No negativity. We need to set cultures in church that line us up with the kingdom that line us up with heaven, that bring us into alignment with how heaven operates. And one of those cultures that we need to set is we're not going to allow any negativity in our relationships. So we're going, to, we're going to learn to ask proper questions, not ones that come out of negativity. We're going to learn to speak to people 
in a way that elevates them, in a way that anoints them, in a way that aligns them with Jesus. So <clears throat> we're not going to call people out on their stuff. We're going to call them up to their identity. We're going to be saying to people, you know, you don't need to be doing that because this is who you are. What are we doing? We're talking them out of something by talking them into something. If we talk people into their identity, their behavior will change. What you focus on, you give power to. If you focus on a negative thing in someone, you give power to that negative in their life. You know that everyone's advertising, right? Every one of us in this room, we are advertising all day long, all week long, all month long, every year, year in, year out. We're all advertising. Every time you say something, you're advertising who you are or who you're not. Every time you do something, you're advertising who you are or who you're not. We're all advertising. So when someone says, it's like, I hear it so often. What's wrong with you? How can anything be wrong with you when Jesus took all the wrong stuff away? Right? What if God looks at you and he doesn't see anything wrong with you because he knows what Jesus did? What if he doesn't see anything wrong, he just sees what's missing? Right? If someone's being anxious all the time, what's missing? Thank you. Peace. If someone's fearful, what's missing? Love. Because perfect love casts out fear. You know that God is not going to work on your fear because Jesus took it away. He's going to teach you perfect love instead. So he's talking you into perfect love. And when you allow yourself to be talked into being loved, your fear will be lost to you. When you allow yourself to be talked into peace, anxiety will lose its grip on you. What God talks you into is the kingdom way. He's not going to talk you out of stop doing that. He's going to talk you into doing something better. So when we look at people right now and we see um, maybe a, a, a belief or a behavior that's inconsistent with Jesus, we can't point out stop doing that. That's sin. Sin in the New Testament is defined as falling short of the glory of God. What does that mean? It means there is a lifestyle that he's set aside for you. And if your behavior is from, a, from the old nature, not from the new nature, then you're falling short of the new nature. Right? The new nature is the glory of God. All of us have glory attached to us. Now, I know the Bible says that God will not give his glory to another. But you're not another. You understand that, right? You're not another. You're the bride of Christ. You're the body of Christ. You're sons and daughters of God. You are definitely not another. And he's definitely going to attach some glory to you. And it'll be the glory of his own presence working in you. Yeah? Does that sound decent? Does that sound fishy? 
You are not another. And you never have been since the first moment you accepted Christ. You became part of his body. And his body sees and thinks differently. So no problem can come by itself. All of heaven is attracted to Jesus in you. And God is constantly talking you into something. Constantly. Sometimes he does it by allowing you to see a negative. And if you can see a negative, you can also see its opposite. Because that's what he's going to do in you. So now you're going to be trained, and we're going to train each other, that, you know, when someone says something negative, your first question is, is there a better way of saying that? If someone asks a negative question, is there a better question than that? We're not going to kill them over the negative. We're just going to ask a question. Is there a better way of thinking than that? Is there a better way of understanding than that? So we're, we're going to reframe it by pointing to something else. Okay, you've been talking to me for 40 minutes about a problem. So now I'm expecting you to talk to me for 40 minutes about the promise. Sometimes that's all we ever do is talk about our problems. Got this happening, got that happening. And by the time you talked, everybody around you is depressed. <laughs> Even people who weren't listening to you get depressed. <laughs> God is talking you into something. So we're setting in motion here today in the Storehouse Church. We're setting in motion a culture that says... We will not allow anything negative ever again. We're all going to learn to talk a different language. We're all going to learn to think differently. We're all going to learn to speak differently. We're all going to learn to see one another differently. And we'll never hear in this body what's wrong with you. Because the truth is there's nothing wrong with any of us. There's just some things missing. And maybe one or two of us have a lot more things missing than other people. So what's God doing here? He's filling in the gaps. In your life, in your heart, in your relationships, he's filling in the gaps. What does that mean? You've all got something to look forward to. There's no condemnation. If you're sat there thinking, I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not this, God's just pointed out three things that he wants to do. Right? Here's the thing. When God puts his finger on something that's not working properly in your life, he's actually pointing to the site of your next miracle. Brilliant. So we're going to let the enemy help us. Right, because he's like full of condemnation. Wants to have you to have shame and blame and everything else. Wants you to feel less. So every time the enemy is working, God is working twice as fast. Right? Nothing works against God's nature. Nothing works against God's nature. 
when God puts his finger on something in your life that's not working properly, he's excited. He's smiling at you. Holy Spirit's probably winking. You know, <laughs> already got the provision in his hand, just waiting to jump into your world, into your life. What is that? What is that collectively? How do we describe that? Hope. And what is hope? It's a glorious expectation of something good. So even when God's touching something that's difficult for you, you can get excited because he's touching it because he has a plan. He's touching it because he has a purpose. And what does that do? It takes us to a place where nothing ever overwhelms us again. Because now we're, being, we're busy being overwhelmed by Jesus. Overwhelmed by possibilities. Jesus never talked about problems once. He only ever talked about possibilities. All things are possible. I talk to people about transformation all the time. And people say to me, yeah, I mean, that's easy to say, but it's hard to do. And I say, but what if it's not hard? Because you're living in a kingdom where Jesus thinks that everything is light and easy. Even God asks the question, is anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer is, no. no. So stop asking the flipping question. <laughs> the enemy tries to sell you the lie of the long battle. That this is going to take this amount of time. Why? Because he doesn't even want you to set out on the road. The, long, the lie of the long battle is just that. It's a flat out lie. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the best way to travel with me is by learning how to rest. He's only looking after 7.6 billion people. But his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Don't you want to track with someone who thinks like that? Dear Lord Jesus. It's important for us that we love the learning here. If you love the learning, you'll take it right to the end of its source. You'll take it right to the point where learning will open up new doors, new territory. You know that God is a territorial spirit, right? You look in scripture and, and you see it like in Judges and Joshua, him marking out territory from this mountain range down to the great sea, uh, from this open plain down to this coast. And what's he doing? He's marking out his territory. He's a territorial spirit. And he wants to take territory in you. That's why he wants you to know that all heaven is cheering for you. All of heaven is attracted to you. And he's made a covenant with Jesus in you. That's why he put Christ into you. God doesn't do things according to your behavior. He thinks differently. 
than the world does. The world says you can't reward bad behavior. God is not rewarding your bad behavior. He's ignoring your bad behavior because Jesus took care of it. Come on, guys. You know what I'm doing right now is I'm digging that performance spirit right out of you. A little bit of open heart surgery here. You get things because you have an identity in Jesus. And that identity is about who you are, about how God sees you. It's about the power of the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit in your life. And it's about the Father creating opportunities for you to move into. Why? Because he sees you like he sees his son. He's not double-minded about you. He sees you in exactly the same way as he sees Jesus. And so he's going to upgrade you constantly. He's not going to berate you because you're doing this wrong. He's just going to say, you know, there's a better way of doing this. Have you thought about that? How about we do it this way? How about we not do it that way? How about you not learn that way? How about you, you learn the way that we teach you? And here's the thing about <clears throat> teaching in the New Testament. It's all relational. It's not functional and it's not academic. Now, God doesn't want you studying the Bible without getting to know the author. Thank you. See, even kids know this stuff. <laughs> Timing is everything, eh? What's true in the natural is true in the spirit. Timing is everything. This is your time. This is your time to step into a place in Christ that's been set aside for you for years. You know, and I want to say to you that there are unclaimed upgrades all over this room that need to come down because the Lord wants you to know that heaven is not a storehouse. Stuff needs to come down. Heaven is not a rental facility for your promises. It needs to come down. The storehouse is here on earth. Yes. It's not up in heaven. God wants you to have stuff here. So there's stuff piled all around you. Honestly, you look like a bunch of hoarders. <laughs> there's stuff all around you that needs to come into your heart, into your life. And you need to get hold of it. And it needs to get hold of you. And you need to become that. Because that's who you will be in the world. You will become the promise for people around you who don't know Jesus yet. You'll become the provision for people around you who've never met Jesus. You'll be the giver. And God will pour things through you. But first of all, he has to get you on the right footing in the right mindset, in the right way of thinking and seeing. Your lens needs to change from a problem-solving culture to a provision-based community. Understanding how this thing works and practicing the joy of the Lord because Jimmy the Apostle said, you can count everything as joy. You know Jimmy the Apostle, right? He's in the Bible. 
He said you can count everything as joy. Why? Because you're in the kingdom. You're in the world, but not of it. So you can just stop being miserable. Be joyful. Be peaceful. Be patient. Because you know that things are going to happen. So we're waiting patiently on the Lord. We're not stood in our situation looking at it and just checking our watch going, I'm waiting. I'm still waiting. When are you going to do something? And he's just saying, well, I'm just waiting for you to get a grin on your face. Here's the thing, Graham. You don't wait on your problem. You wait on me. Waiting on me is a joyful thing. I like waiting on the Lord. Why? Because it's like an additional blessing. You're different people because you're in the kingdom. And you need to demonstrate that difference every day of your life by believing in who God is for you, believing in what God has set aside for you, believing that nothing can happen in the world that the kingdom can't take care of. That's who we are. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. This is a new day. This is a day when a huge door opens in this church community. And we're all going to go through that door into a different territory. And when we've gone through it, the door's going to close behind us. And we're going to find ourselves being lost to the world and its way of thinking. And we're going to be in a place where we can only think kingdom. We're going to be in a place where we can only think possibilities. We're going to be in a place where we can only be challenged by the goodness of God. We're going to be in a place where promises are all around us. They're attached to anything difficult. They're going to, we're going to come into a place where provisions are going to be the normal where we're not going to have unclaimed upgrades. They're all going to come down. And in the next 12 months, we could all be completely different people. If we just practice the word of the Lord, practice the presence of God in that context, that practicing the presence of God is not how well you worship in a service. Practicing the presence of God is what you believe and see and bring down in the course of life. The God who never leaves you is always in every single problem and issue that you face. Because he's teaching you, he's developing you, he's upgrading you, he is making you into his image. And he uses all your life circumstances to do that. And your circumstances may not get any easier, but you will get better. Your problems may not get smaller, but you will become bigger. So you come to a place where you will overwhelm any problem. Just because the presence of God in you is huge. So Father, I pray that that will be our experience. That will be our anointing. That will be our lifestyle. And that will be our community. This is what we will practice together family to family, household to household, friend to friend. 
we will practice the presence of God on our circumstances. And we know you. You're always up to something. You know the plans that you have for us. Plans for our welfare, not for our calamity. Plans to give us a future and a hope. So I ask, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for a spirit of expectation to come into this community that wakes us all up, that empowers us, that has us excited about everything. Whether we're extrovert or whether we're introvert, we're going to be excited. Introverts will probably be excited inside their own head, but that's a... (laughs) That would be great. I pray for such a level of excitement that the extroverts will start thinking and the introverts will start dancing. (laughs) Beloved, this is your land of promise right now. Unclaimed upgrades coming down. Problems with a different perspective. So burdened with promises, you feel light and free. That your lives and your families and your homes should be full of promises that God is using to make you like Him. And Father, I pray that we will see a living, breathing evidence of that in this place. And that Jesus would look back on the travail of his soul and he would be satisfied. Oh yeah, when I was hanging on a tree, that's what I saw. That's what I saw. That's why I died, so we could see that. So we are going to do that. And we're all going to be in alignment with God in that. For Jesus' sake. Because he deserves it. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you would like to partner with us, you can visit storehousedallas.com forward slash give or you can send a text message with an amount to 84321. Thank you very much for your contributions.